You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and you can go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. A part of the Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe. And our next guest has a Twitter handle that he has not changed despite being a little bit more corporate these days at Doug Branson, LOH. He is here. It's the first time he's been on the show in a very, very long time, but we're happy to have you back, Doug. How are you? Uh, Of course I haven't changed it because I founded this podcast. It will always be a part of my life. Uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is always going to be Facebook. Jeff Bezos is always, is it Bezos or Bezos? Bezos. Is, I think it's Bezos. Jeff Bezos is always going to be Amazon, no matter what future endeavors they get involved in. And so same with me. I will always be locked on Hornets. I'm happy to be back. I see that you moved the couch. I'm fine with it. I thought the couch was great where it was. That's cool. Um, but you guys moved the couch, and that is what it is. But I'm happy to be back. I'm ready to, ready to talk some Charlotte Hornets because, fellas, fellas, We've got an exciting basketball team. Well, hold on one second. Move the couch. What are you talking about? What? What? Who moved what? I'm couch? just saying. When I was here, the couch was over on the left of the room, and now it's to the right of the room. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, all right, I, I did get that. it. You wanted to make. I did. Yeah, that. I know. I knew it was gonna. I knew it was not a. He he replaces me on the show, <laughs> and then he moves the couch. And let, what I'm saying is, is that I'm fine with it. If you guys want to make some changes to the show, including moving the couch, that's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> the couch is moved, I guess, and we can't blame it on Nada. Let's get to, I guess, the latter point you made, Doug. It's the Charlotte Hornets. They win the game against the Brooklyn Nets because they're weird, and this is what they do. They'll lose the games that they're not supposed to, and sometimes they'll even win the games that they're not supposed to. We all thought that they were going to get destroyed, especially with the way that the Brooklyn Nets had played the first two games of the season. Zero rust. The offensive firepower was abundant for the Brooklyn Nets, and yet here the Charlotte Hornets are with an awful defense the first couple really certainly the first game against Cleveland and not too good against Oklahoma City either but then you hold the Nets to 104 points Terry Rozier comes up with a couple of clutch three uh, free throws including that awesome dunk that he had against Kevin Durant we'll get into all of it but not I'll go to you because I saw on Twitter you were expecting a 150 point performance I didn't think that was that far off and yet here are the Hornets they come away with the W what did you make of this game against the Nets in their first win on the season Shock and awe, quite honestly, Walker. Um, <laughs> how, I, how I would put this is uh, the best way that it was put was that a certain friend of the podcast, Rick Bennell, had pointed out that I was going to be disappointed if the Nets didn't score 150 on the Hornets. And he pointed that out about three hours after the game had ended. Thank you, Rick. Um, I was I was entirely just shocked. Awe. Um, that was the most complete game they've put together all year, obviously. But that was four four quarters of decent defense, not giving up too many open looks. And quite honestly, some of the best basketball that we've seen. I mean, the small ball lineup actually worked this time around, which is something that I hadn't said all year. And it made me say, "Okay, I get where JB is coming from. 
That's how good they played last night. And also, more importantly, Gordon Hayward kind of showed you why they signed him just in the beginning because he came through 28 points, all clutch baskets. More importantly, he, he again, he made plays for others a whole lot. Again, 38, 30, I think he's a 35, 38 assist on 43 made baskets. They moved the ball. I want to see more of this, guys. I don't know about you, but I do want to see more of this. Absolutely. I would love to see more of this. Doug, your main takeaways from last night's game against the Nets. So I think that game one against Cleveland, the Hornets came out with very little effort and even less execution. And then against OKC, they came out with a lot more effort, but they were still falling short in terms of execution. In this game against Brooklyn, they put both of those things together for the first time. And that's going to allow you, with the talent that's on this team, this isn't a talentless team. So if you put the effort and the execution together like they did, uh, you're going to compete with really anyone in the association. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to beat the Brooklyn Nets, uh, but you needed some help from from this team. You needed Spencer Dinwiddie uh, to, to leave the game early. You needed Kevin Durant to miss some shots that maybe he doesn't typically miss. And you needed some things to go in your favor, and they did. And that's why they got the win. This is a team that is still the Charlotte Hornets. They're still trying to figure out some roles for individual players. It's, it, you know, we're still waiting on Devontae Graham to have an efficient shooting night and a powerful offensive night. Uh, Gordon Hayward, he's adjusted immediately. We're still waiting on P.J. Washington to put it all together. Miles Bridges has been uh, a really a star so far off the bench and maybe even flirting with a starting uh, to, to get back into this starting lineup. LaMelo uh, continuing to try to find his way in this rookie season. I was just impressed overall that they were able to put everything together uh, and not go 0-3. Yeah, <laughs> because we were sniffing 2-0 and and then that immediately fell flat on its face. It didn't happen. The Hornets lose against the Cavs, who I guess are undefeated. Maybe the Cavs are going to be surprising, but still a team that they should not have lost the way they did to the Cavs. And then they lose to OKC at the end there when they only lost by one possession still 0 and two not exactly the thing you were hoping for for a Hornets team that certainly seemed much more improved that got Gordon Hayward to help them win now and help them also rebuild a little bit more but also LaMelo Ball being a rookie that should adjust to the association a little bit more so than all the other rookies because he's played professionally already and, and, and you're talking about a bunch of freshmen that are getting drafted into the league LaMelo should be adjusting a little bit more so and the first game certainly didn't happen the next two games were a different story but yeah I, I want to go back to Gordon Gordon Hayward is by far the best player on this team and even with Terry yeah. Rozier playing really well uh, it, it's still clearly Gordon in my opinion what you what you see from him it's a guy that is never in a hurry it's someone that uh, is able to get to the rim pretty well. It's not like in, in totally going with the white guy analysis. He's not crazy athletic, but he's able to get <laughs> by his guy, right? Like he's able to at least put him on his shoulder and that's just get to the rim and be effective doing it that way and seems to comfortably do it all the time. He's able to knock down his open shots and the seven assists that he's had in each of these games and that that can't you can't state that enough, right? Like seven no, assists in the first three games. That's really impressive for him to kind of tie all the loose ends together. He can bail you out in a half court setting if it's dead Gordon can get the ball and create something for himself or others and that's proven to 
be extremely valuable. Not, I mean, it goes to what you were saying, just how impressive he's been uh, through the first three games and, and certainly in this game against the Nets. He was very impressive and he honestly, he took over and he was the guy that they were missing last year to just take over and generally get any shot he wanted. And his mid-range game, which I knew was good, but it kind of surprised me how good he was in the mid-range and getting those shots and keeping the defenses honest to basically open it up for everybody else because there was a, there was a point in this game where the Nets were expecting him to drive or playing him for the and then they'd play him for the mid-range and he would start opening it up for everybody else and get a whole bunch of assisted buckets off of that as well. So when you start seeing this and you start seeing him create and start seeing how he can be that offensive conduit, kind of the guy that they expected Nick Batum to be then it starts making sense on what they were trying to accomplish in terms of building this team. Gordon Hayward at his best is a bunch of is a really expensive training wheel set, but is one of those training wheel sets that can win you games at points. What do you think of that analysis, Doug? Is he spot on with the training wheel set analysis? Uh, I'm not sure exactly what where he's going with that, but I think it's the beginning <laughs> of something beautiful. Uh, here's what I'll say about Gordon Hayward: is that he doesn't have to work as hard. Uh, to get his offense, as we've seen some Charlotte Hornets players in the past, how hard they've had to work. And it's because he has a combination of size, skill, and decision-making that you typically see out of a star, an all-star level NBA player. I mean, so much of the Hornets offense last season had to come from Devontae Graham and from Terry Rozier, two players that because they are a little undersized at the guard position, have to work a little harder. There, there's some things that have to happen to get their, their offense that maybe typically wouldn't have to happen uh, with some bigger stars in the league. And, and so that's why I think it allows Gordon Hayward because he doesn't have to work as hard. It allows him to be a connector. It allows him to really help them offensively and defensively in every aspect of the game. It's it's exciting uh, to see him adjust this quickly. It, the one funny moment in the, in this game against Brooklyn that I think kind of encapsulates uh, the adjustment that Gordon is making uh, is uh, there was a play late in the game uh, where he threw it in the corner to Bismack Biombo, who was behind the three point line in the corner, and there was an immediately there was an immediately like oh no I shouldn't have done that because there was no chance Biz was taking that shot. Uh, and so, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta let Gordon know, Hey, this is not Boston. We can't all shoot threes here. We gotta make sure we find the right person in the corner. Biz was the decoy. He threw it to the decoy. Um, yeah, excellent analysis. And just to continue mine, I would say, you know, Gordon Hayward is he's he's deceptively quick. He's kind of sneaky, athletic. It's someone that is the first oh guy in the the first guy in the film room, last one to leave. Um, you practically have to kick him off of the court. Uh, that's just some of the things that I would say about hey, Gordon hey, Hayward. Hey, hey, Walker, we're not Boston South here, buddy. <laughs> it's the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked. On Podcast Network. Uh, real quickly, I want to talk to you guys about Bet Online AG. If you're ready for some football, college football is heading into its bowl season, and there are some big matchups this weekend. The NFL regular season is also finishing up just one more week to go. There's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust. It's Bet Online AG. You can sign up today for a free account at Bet Online AG and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Plus, you can visit our good friends and exclusive partners partner at uh, bet online underscore AG on Twitter or any of your social media endeavors to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use promo code locked on for your sign up bonus. Hashtag
hashtag bet online. Should LaMelo Ball be getting more playing time? We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, guys, the first three games of the season for LaMelo Ball have been interesting because one game, it's the first go around. He doesn't score any points. And then the next couple of games, it's a little bit better basketball from him. We'll get to that in just one moment. But first, I want to continue to talk about how much uh, of a degenerate that I am and how much of a degenerate that you should be by listening to the Locked On Podcast Network and going to Locked On Bets. The holidays are about giving. So even if it's Uh, After Christmas and after maybe a little bit more of the holiday season, you can still give those late gifts and holidays are about giving. So we're going to be giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked On Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is is red hot to start the season and he shares a lock of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcast. Doug, I'll go to you first on this one. If I were to ask you to place a bet on LaMelo Ball's playing time increasing significant amount amount even over just the course of the next week 20 minutes is the most run that he's gotten so far would you expect it to stay would you bet on it staying at 20 or over or would you expect it to really just maybe go 20 to 15 kind of like what he's been doing the last couple of contests i could see it moving maybe to 20 to 25 i I think that's where he's going to settle in at least for uh, the near term i mean listen terry rozier is playing too well right now to supplant him in the starting lineup. Devontae Graham is finding his footing, but that's that's a that's a core level player uh, that the Hornets are looking at right now. So it's it's just difficult to get all three of those guys. And you're you're playing small a lot anyway with getting PJ Washington in at the five. We don't and and he uh, had an injury, a sprained ankle, so we don't know what his status is. They may have to get even smaller. Uh, so I think it's going to be difficult until the Hornets are completely healthy. And you you get a real read on where Lamelo's development is. We have to remember that he he's he is young. Like he's still he's going to you know it's going to have to take some time to to get him uh, in you know ready to face NBA defenses night in and night out. But I'm excited by his progress so far. Uh, not a you were not one that was up in arms because Lamelo only got 15 minutes in that game against Oklahoma City because there were a lot of Hornets fans that were really mad. Rick Bennell wrote a story on Lamelo Ball only getting 15 minutes. People were calling for more, and he got it. Got 20 minutes in this game against the Nets. But you were not one to ever really worry about that. No, because you have a back-to-back situation in which you're going to, the idea deal is to win both of those games. But more importantly, at what point did we stop trusting the same staff that developed Devontae Graham and got and getting the best Terry Rozier that we've ever seen thus far and also developing Miles Bridges at a decent pace and, oh yeah, was responsible for T- PJ exploding onto the league last year. Like, when did we stop trusting these guys? I'm going to trust Borrego in their decision-making and to bring this along as quickly or as slowly as possible because the idea is if you're going to give him big minutes, you don't want to overwhelm him and then possibly sh- shatter his confidence. The idea is at least, again, s- start spoon-feeding these guys, especially with no summer league, especially with no no really extended training camp. They're just getting thrown in with two weeks in. I don't see the point in just throwing him to the wolves, giving him 25 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, 
And at the same time, when you have guys that do his position but play a little bit better for right now, if this is a conversation, uh, this can be a conversation later in the year. It just, I don't think it makes any sense to have that conversation right now. Yeah, to me, this would be a little bit different if this were a normal NBA season where LaMelo would have had a chance to play in summer league and then maybe an extended preseason kind of thing. But that's not the situation that we're in. And listen, I, I'm extremely excited about LaMelo Ball. And I want to, every time he, you know, he, he enters the game, my eyes are glued to the television just like everyone else is. And so I understand that. And honestly, I like it. I like people demanding more playing time for LaMelo Ball because that means that people are excited. That means that he's doing things that would call for more playing time. Um, And I'm also not worried about James Borrego feeling pressured by any of those calls. I mean, I think he's he's going to put LaMelo and the rest of this team in a position to win basketball games. I mean, that's that's his job. Um, and so as long as they're winning, and you know, that's that's where you get in this danger where they go 0-2, but you write the ship. So as long as they're winning basketball games that they're supposed to win then I think you have to trust what's going on. Well, what's funny is you bring it up. It's because LaMelo was playing well against Oklahoma City as to why Twitter started to get extremely angry about it. Nobody was calling for more minutes in that Cleveland game. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's one game. It's one game, guys. That's the that's the thing. This is a this is a long season. And but I get it. I get it. It's tough to ask anyone to be patient uh, when you see something as exciting as LaMelo. Totally. It's just funny you bring that up because LaMelo actually played 16 minutes in that first game and then in the second game he played less and people were still asking for more I mean it was basically the same but it was because he went five of ten from the field rather than oh of five and then it was two for four from beyond the arc actually playing a lot better basketball that they did that and were asking for more time for LaMelo ball right and it's also because ball is life twitter account and the nba.com twitter account isn't showing you know the really bad rookie typical turnover that he makes they're showing those amazing plays and one watches that and assumes that every other play is like that and again i'm not even criticizing that attitude because i get it uh, i would just say if you are a fan of the team and you're a fan of Lamelo, he's he's showing me things that make me confident that his time will come and it's going to come sooner rather than later uh, but it's not going to come tomorrow. Right. I, I I do think that the last couple of games, he's certainly been better. I thought better defensively in this game against the Nets too. And then we've seen him knock down uh, his three-pointers really in the last two games. And Doug, I know that's something you tweeted at me again, that you are not worried about his shot. And uh, it certainly <laughs> has been just fine. It's been... I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's fun? I told this, you Oh, so. Nada. Don't you miss Doug coming on and trying to warn everybody that it was one game that we need to calm down on the minutes that LaMelo's gotten. But now that it's three games and two of them, two games that he's actually shot the ball well, he's singing, I told you so. Do you not miss that from Doug Branson on this podcast? I, 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 don't, so. I don't miss any of this. Not any of this. I told you so. Oh, man. The dichotomy of Doug Branson one way or the other. We're going to get another segment of that. We're going to uh, give you one 
one more here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Built Bar and just how amazing their 18 flavors are, including the six new flavors that you have with caramel brownie, cookies and cream, as well as cherry barcia. Doug doesn't know anything about that life. He's not a part of the Barcia Brotherhood that Nada and I are, but cherry barcia <laughs> is one of the new flavors. 12 original ones. Doug does know about that. The coconut, almond, raspberry, German chocolate. It's all great. It's all covered in 100% chocolate. I'm a cocoa bro. <laughs> you are a cocoa bro, <laughs> but you're not a Barcia bro. Soft and easy to chew are these built bars, and they're great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet if you're on that. You also get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. We've got one more segment. What do we make of the power forward position and the last two first round picks for this team? Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, how are they playing? How are they playing? We'll discuss that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in summer league, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a radar, <laughs> radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Put so, him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Coming up later this week on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, we'll continue to preview and recap some of the games that have been going on with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, we'll actually just preview the game against the Dallas Mavericks on the road. That'll be on Wednesday. And then you have a back-to-back for the Hornets. That'll be Friday and Saturday, January 1st and 2nd, home against the Memphis Grizzlies. Then on the road, two games on the road, by the way, against the Philadelphia 76ers back-to-back. So that'll be the 2nd and the 4th. Plenty of uh, coverage on all of the games that'll be taking place this week and next week here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Let's go to some of the big guys, the first rounders that have been playing the last two, um, or I should say the two before LaMelo Ball and how they've been playing. It's PJ Washington and Miles Bridges, and they're always going to be somewhat interesting as a package deal because when they drafted PJ Washington, I think a lot of people thought it was somewhat of a redundant choice, getting somebody that was doing the same type of things, and yet PJ comes onto the scene as a rookie and is really good <laughs> comes in and plays like a guy that absolutely should have made first team all rookie and still is recognized as one of the top 10 rookies that performed last year despite not being one of the top 10 rookies uh, that were selected in that NBA draft so it was okay PJ Washington Miles Bridges can they coexist on the floor at the same time is one going to have to go to the bench is Miles Bridges someone that is more expendable because it wasn't the greatest sophomore year for him how is he going to bounce back? Well, we saw in the preseason that it was a lot more decisive miles bridges that looked uh, looked a lot better offensively and even was starting to make up some ground defensively still some woes here and there. But guys, I mean, miles has really looked good to me and it looks like someone that knows he belongs now and know what he's supposed to do more so than the last couple of years where he's still trying to figure things out. I, I really like the decisiveness, the the, the OK, I'm going to put the ball on the deck and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make this move and it just looks like he knows what he's doing out there a lot more and I think you have to be comforted by that Doug what do you think about your boy Miles Bridges I'm I'm so perplexed right now uh you guys know how I felt about PJ Washington 
last season. I was extremely high. You guys also know how I felt about Miles Bridges last season. I was extremely low. And now as we enter game four of this new season, everything's topsy-turvy. It's bizarro world. Suddenly, like what's going on with P.J. Washington? How can you not come into this season after not playing for so long? And in only being your second season after having a great rookie campaign, how could you not come into this season ready to roll from the jump, like both body and mind be ready to roll? I just don't understand it. And then Miles Bridges, on the other hand, he gets sent to the bench, but then comes in just as a supercharger off that bench, doing a little bit of everything. As you said, Walker, he's doing it offensively. He's getting to the rack. He's aggressive, but he's also, after that first game where he was a little shaky from the three-point line, he's starting now to knock down his three-point shots. That's always going to be the barometer of his offense. Is he knocking down open three-point shots? Because they will be open when he's on the floor with guys like LaMelo and Devontae and, and Terry and those kind of mixed uh, bench starter lineups. He, he, he's going to have open shots. Will he knock them down? But here's what I love about Miles. It's off the court. It's things that he said coming into this season where he's putting, he's taking the team to task. And he, you know, even after that tough loss to OKC, you could see him encouraging people as he leaves the court. So he's taking this off the court role as a, as a glue guy, doing glue guy things. It's really beautiful to see. And, and I just have to give it up to Miles for, for bringing it this season, like, like you would expect someone to do uh, after not having played for so long. Nada, you got to be impressed with Miles Bridges' play as well as P.J. Washington maybe wanting a little bit more. I think it's been better the, the last two games and maybe against more uh, with OKC, but what have you made of both of those guys' play? Uh, quite honestly, the OKC game was a surprise, was a little bit better from P.J., but before he got hurt against the Nets, that was the most focused mind in the game and something that Doug brought up, and I completely agree with him on this, is that we saw a guy with his head in the game for the first time this season was against the Nets. He rebounded well. He boxed out. He did everything you expected out of that small ball center lineup to the point where I don't hate it now. I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's keep going with this. And then the stuff that Doug's talking about, I think the biggest testament to how well you knew that Miles was working was that time where he basically, before Terry put Kevin Durant in the rim, we saw Miles just put that, bury that shoulder in KD's chest and finish over KD in the lane. I want to say that was the second quarter. Like, that was like the confluence of a whole bunch of preparation, a lot of skill work in the offseason, a lot of stuff that showed you, hey, I'm not just working on my rap career. I'm working on my NBA career as well. And when you have that combination of things that just come together, like, I am very, very impressed with Miles Bridges. And it's also kind of a, I don't want to say it's a contract year for the guy, but I'm almost close to saying, hey, this is a contract year and he's taking it serious because he is eligible, extension eligible starting next season. And you're starting to see him take over and get ready for that in second part of his career get, and start that second contract campaign well, and, and in you're, earnest. You're honestly. talking about Miles Bridges using his strength too. That's the thing too. Using the small ball lineup that they're going to be forced to go to because they don't have Cody Zeller and because they haven't gone for outside help. 
you really don't have any other option. It's going to be Miles Bridges and PJ Washington. And also, you know, if Bismack Biombo is going to be playing 30 minutes. I'm not here for that. You know, I, I love Bismack Biombo coming back onto the team in the same way everyone else does. It's the fact that Bismack is a great mentor and I don't want him playing 30 minutes. Hell, give me more small ball lineup things. But you mentioned the strength of Miles. It's an interesting small ball lineup because you have a really strong dude playing the four where Miles is a better position player. And then PJ playing the five, which I still think can work. And as we saw, it did work against the Nets, despite having a couple of big guys themselves. I mean, they have Jared Allen. They have DeAndre Jordan. This was not them going against a really small team. This was them having legitimate seven footers, six eleven guys that certainly have a long wingspan and PJ and, and the Hornets were able to be effective uh, against that kind of lineup. It, you, you've got some bowls down there as long as they realize their strength. And I feel like PJ it, it, every once in a while would realize that uh, I, I remember tweeting it out. There are some moments where PJ is just stronger than you and you have to deal with it. I think miles is starting to show that a little bit more this year than he did last year. And that's fun. If you have a small ball lineup where you have two bruisers that are four and five that are both athletic enough and, 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 and maybe can hold their own against that size. This just might be the way to combat not having a Cody Zeller that can play the five because his absence really you would think would hurt this team and it, and it clearly will, but it, maybe you can mitigate that disaster w- with having these guys realize their full potential and hopefully PJ is able to get it as the season goes on. I, I'm, I'm hopeful uh, that things work out for, for PJ Washington and then he pulls it together and then he gets in shape and that he stops. Listen, I, I'm going to push back a little bit. I thought there were definitely some good things that he did over the course of that game against the Nets, but late in that game when the Hornets were collapsing because the Nets were overwhelming them with with talent in that fourth quarter and almost uh, did enough to win that basketball game. There were mistakes all over the place from P.J.'s party. He ended the game with three turnovers, five personal fouls. There was an offensive foul that he had late in that game uh, that gave the Nets another opportunity to work in that comeback. And then he just hasn't been hitting three-point shots. So yes, he comes away with a double-double, 14 points and 12 rebounds. But I thought there were critical moments in that game against Brooklyn where you just need a little bit more of P.J., and, and I wonder, like, if he's ready at the beginning of the season, is is he a little bit more focused now? Like, we're just, it feels like we're a few weeks behind where we should be with PJ when that's not the case for Terry. That's not the case for Devontae. That's not the case for Miles. It's not even the case for LaMelo. And he's a rookie. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that because you do bring up those two corner threes that he passed up that I believe caused two straight shot clock violations. And you're right about his head not being in the game there. I can't argue that. But for three quarters, and that was the best three-quarter stretch that we he's put together this year, and you're right, he's still behind. But for what he gave you, he was exactly what the remedy was for, was necessary for. And so I'm willing to overlook those two shot clock, again, those late situations, but he's got to be better, and I absolutely um, agree. Yeah, with and, and just going a little bit more here, you said that he's missing the three-pointers. Man, he's not even taking them, too. I mean, you look at PJ, he's only taken really two per game, and he's shooting 16% on the small sample size. You look at all the guys that have taken as many or more three-pointers per game than him, it's Cody Zeller as the same. He took two in that first game against Cleveland. He uh, LaMelo Ball has more. Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and that's fine, right? Like, it's not any name that's absolutely shot 
shocking taking more threes, but I want PJ taking more threes than two a game. And and if he's not taking them, that's a problem. I think that's getting a little too far away from what he did last year. I know his usage percentage is up. I know he's trying to create a little bit more for himself, and I know that's what he wanted, and I get all of that. I hope that the three-point shot doesn't go away. Like I'm here for you expounding upon your game. What I don't want you to do is, is, is what I don't want you to do is to stop shooting threes when it has all of this importance and you have an opportunity to really stretch the defense a lot more because of that ability. So we'll see how it continues to move on for PJ and for miles. But miles certainly has been a very good basketball player in the second unit, playing some power forward, being more decisive like what we're seeing from him. And we'll see if LaMelo ball starts to play some more minutes as well. Um, the next game up for them is that game against the Dallas Mavericks on December 30th. Doug, it was fun. Good to have you back in the booth. We need to do it more frequently. Uh, appreciate you joining I us. I told again. you so. You were worried about his shot. <laughs> I told you you should not. All right. That wraps I up this edition so. of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to Build Bar, uh, Built Bar. You're distracting me for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA. Really any show on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.